and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh, and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about The Equalizer 3. Joining me today, action movie correspondent looking for a getaway to an Italian seaside locale. It's Daniel Lima. Daniel, how's it going? Oh, it's going beautifully. It would be going more beautifully if I was sitting in Altamont, uh, Sicily, but you know, here I am, Orlando, Florida. City beautiful. <laughs> Just a hop, skip, and a jump away. Uh, the Equalizer 3 is the third of the, obviously, this, <laughs> Equalizer 3 is the third Equalizer movie. <laughs> it's, it's, it's Denzel's uh, third collaboration in this franchise with Antoine Fuqua, who he's worked on with on with, on multiple other movies, and, and most notably probably uh, Training Day, but also The Magnificent Seven. Uh it, it's, it follows uh, Robert McCall, who we obviously got to know through the first two movies. He's a retired U.S. Marine and DIA operative, which I had honestly forgotten. I forgot that there was that distinction for DIA and CIA. And what is that? Defense Intelligence Agency? Yeah, it's like some other sub-compartment. Yeah, like of military the, intelligence. Yeah, a little bit more under the Department of Defense and however the, you want to say the CIA operates, I guess, I think more as a branch under the executive branch a little bit, I would say. You know, you know, we watched Robert McCall. I think it was in. Bo- I, I know Equalizer two took place in Boston. And I, did you rewatch the Equalizer recently, Daniel, or no? Oh, God, you could not pay me enough money okay, to yeah. sit down and rewatch the first two. I had no idea you were uh, you had those kind of feelings about the first two, and not that you were like excited to do this. You were just you're just a great trooper and collaborator, and wanted to make sure I had an episode for this week. So you're like, sure, I'll talk about it. But I knew you weren't like jumping at the bone because you love equalizer i didn't know you had like any especially negative feelings about that because equalizer three uh we pick up with mccall and uh he's he's at a he's at a winery in uh in sicily and he's awaiting the arrival of some other kind of you know italian operative crime guy and he and he's uh recall is being held at gunpoint by two of this guy's subordinates and but uh, he he just kind of like takes him out but on his way out also gets uh shot by some little kid who is there with the uh with the operative that he was there to confront and as he's trying to kind of get away along the Amalfi coast he gets taken in by a kindly police officer who takes him into the arms of a kindly Italian gentleman who uh is happens to be a doctor who a very friendly one nurses him back to health but he kind of just falls in love with this, this little it- Italian town of Altamont which is kind of hilarious given that you also live a hop skip a jump away from an actual uh town called Altamont Springs uh yeah. but uh he, he gets he really begins to you know fall in love with this town and this way of life and just sitting sitting having tea at these cafes flirting with uh cafe owners and tea oh. you say you say tea but I mean we all know that tea is for what Englishmen and women or something like that something like that um and uh a line from the movie that's not me exposing something no 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 no. yeah yeah and uh and 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 just as he's there though you know the 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 mafia is just kind of trying to encroach on this town for for reasons i will debate how important it is to understand those reasons seems like a real estate thing they want to intimidate some people and you know he might just have to go back to a life of equalizing and uh, D- Daniel, I guess the the, the the reason one of the reasons I was kind of interested to talk about this movie is because I, some people might describe these, these this movie these, these movies as action movies because there's there's certain action sequences in the first two. Some of them are are actually pretty. I don't want to say like graphic but intense and like just like the the ways he goes about disarming uh honestly maybe literally and figuratively if i like for for all i know because i know there's some pretty uh he does some pretty gnarly things to some people in those first two movies and even in this one but at the same time uh not to spoil anything for anyone that's not listening but it's you know the one of the things that was like most jarring to me about this movie as someone who also didn't go back and watch the first two i just remember them being a little more action-packed 
There's like three action scenes in this movie. I would say that that's being generous to call them action scenes. Right. Because like one of them is one of them is like 30 seconds long. But I literally uh, the first time I watched this movie, it's toward like, I guess, like toward the end of the movie, beginning mm -hmm. of act three, end of act two, where like there's one of these action beats. Truthfully, I went to the restroom because I was like, all right, I've got like a minute before anything of consequence happens in this movie right after the scene where he like confronts the guy at the diner or the, 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 the restaurant. I went to use the restroom. I was back in my seat within 60 seconds and the action scene had already happened. And I'm like, all right, well, <laughs> then what the, what the hell is that? You know? Yeah. So I guess my thought was, I mean, going into something like this, because as we always talk about on the podcast, like you have pretty high standards for the kind of like action you, you, you'll you like, you know, deem to be of high quality in movies. But at the same time, while you're also the action movie correspondent, you're also the old man contemplating his life at the end correspondent movie or movie guy. And you, 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 you carved out a little niche for yourself doing that too. And you can argue, argue that this movie kind of falls into that category as well. So I kind of like went into this thinking maybe you were going to like, because of how minimal and I, I, debatable the quality of this action is i was gonna th i came into this thing oh maybe daniel is actually just gonna be like man on the action but maybe actually like the other side of this movie where it's like watching mccall kind of like come to grips with his life however sounds like you might have just been pretty like out on this even though like because you're of your professionalism you went to see this movie again so did you ultimately come down actually finding parts to like in this movie in the quieter moments because that was what kind of like stood out to me as like something i just kind of caught me off guard because i just kind of thought there was going to be more action but instead we're like just watching this guy chill in italy did you f find anything to enjoy in that because it seems like you didn't find the action so much enjoyable well i'll say this for the first maybe hour of the movie i was like this son of a bitch fuqua he finally made a good movie. Like, I'll say this. I have not seen Training Day. How have you my not seen Training Day yet? I know. Yeah. I mean, hey, what can I say? I'm, I've, I, I've got my own blind spots, but I've seen a decent amount of his. I've seen like five other of his movies. I've seen the other two Equalizers, Olympus Has Fallen. Did he do the the next one? I don't think so. He did Southpaw? I did not see Southpaw. Yeah, I did not see Southpaw. Shooter I had seen. You see Magnificent Seven? Is, uh, no, no, I haven't seen Magnificent You're Seven. Not missing I saw much a clip. There. You know, I said this. I saw a clip the other day, uh, and I was like, you know, for studio American action in 2015, 16, it's not terrible. Mm -hmm. The thing is, uh, th that's how I would describe the other two Equalizer movies. I hated those two movies. I really, truthfully, hated sitting through them, even at the time. Um, while we've been talking, I've been rewatching little bits, action clips from the first two. And I'm like, yeah, bad, bad, bad. It looks like garbage cut to shit and like, you know, shot with coverage and just awful here. First scene is like, again, like at this point, bro is like, I think like 70, like he can't do action. We know he can't do action. And so it doesn't really try, even less so than in uh, the other movies in the series. They don't even really try to put him through his paces. They just have like little quick beats. And honestly, even the quick little beat at the beginning is it's pretty well done. It's pretty well choreographed and staged. And the lead up to it, building this atmosphere as this mob boss goes through his compound and sees all the dead bodies that Denzel has killed left in very in creative ways. Yeah, killed in very creative ways, and it's very haunting. It's very like like it's almost like a horror movie. And when they finally meet him, he's like sitting in this chair, the sunbeams like kind of coming down on him with this overexposed lighting that gives him this nice clean white outline. It's so atmospheric and good. And when the violence comes, it's punchy and it's impactful. I I really was taken by it, that first scene. And then he gets shot by this kid, finds himself in this 
this village uh, on the coast of Sicily. And yeah, you he gets into the rhythm of the local life, recuperating slowly from an injury. And, you know, you'll see him like preparing to go up the stairs and kind of mentally stealing himself for that feat, um, you know, learning idioms, learning kind of just how people live their lives. And yeah, that's I really loved that. I really, really loved that. I was had a feeling you so, might. So yeah, the the sort of like it it it's a very patient approach to the filmmaking that I just have not come to expect from Fuqua. And yeah, you know, he's relying a lot on Denzel's natural sort of charisma. Even Denzel sleepwalking through a role is like, you know, miles ahead of most actors trying, you know? So I, I was really loving it. Uh, and then you get to the last like 40 minutes and uh, okay, it all so goes to shit. I, so I, I'm not going to completely disagree with you there because the fact is I think I, one thing I give the movie credit for is that, like I think the plot is more like convoluted than it needs to be, obviously, uh, as you get towards the end with all these bad guys that just aren't that compelling. And this plan that's like involves drugs, but also involves real estate. And it's not really all that. And terrorism. Yeah, it's just just throwing a bunch of shit against the wall and hoping something sticks. And it's like, you know, they could have just taken a. I think they could have taken a play from like the John Wick one playbook and just kept it simple. And it's just like, look, if there was just like picked one thing, picked like the mafia guys like harassing this one guy, harassing this one restaurant owner and nothing else. And then he goes on a rampage against them and that's it. I think you might have something a little better there. Yeah, no, like it's funny that we've kind of just now talked about pretty much the entire movie. There's not much there, and yet they find a way to overcomplicate it when you're watching. Um, Pretty much, you know, he's getting to the rhythm of this local life, meeting the barista and such, and we can get into the characters that he runs into, uh, you know, in a bit. But like he starts to realize and piece together that there is, you know, a certain like there's a mafia element in this small town that's putting pressure on these people that he's grown to love. And he doesn't want to get back into the life uh, that he's led, but like he, he feels compelled to, right. That's enough, right? (laughs) Like that's enough. You could have just, there's a local mafia boss and he's putting pressure on these people that you love. You keep it all condensed in this setting that the film takes such pains to sort of humanize and get you, the viewer, into the rhythm of this life. Instead, they start, you know, cutting away from it to go to Rome because it turns out the mafia is selling amphetamine pills <laughs> or the for like ISIS. It might so have been methamphetamine, ice- not amphetamine. Oh, I I I don't know what the difference is, truthfully, oh. but they're selling the pills so that the ISIS fighters can go fund their projects in Rome. The 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 head mafia guy isn't even in Altamont. He's in Naples. Mm-hmm. And then the you get the police sergeant in Naples cracking up. All these you got the, Dakota, Dakota Fanning working for the CIA. Yeah. Oh my god, we can, we we need to get to her. But like yeah, it's all these ancillary characters outside of the location that you've grown to love that has like the star who is carrying the movie on his back. It's pointless. Why take away from the thing that you've done such a great job building up? And I think it just comes down to, I don't know, the third movie in like a studio franchise, like you, they feel the need that there needs to be like something bigger. It needs to be bigger in scale than it needs to be. And uh, like it's so it was so dis- by the end of the movie i was like struggling to stay awake yeah i don't know if i quite got to that part but like i mean i i think i was more just like kind of like confused as it was going on and like and i don't disagree i didn't mind seeing him hang out in the town but like i i think i just like i think there's a way in which you cut away a lot of that fat but still even have more action i and i i i, I don't necessarily need to like 
draw out a pot beat for every single second for what that looks like. But like you said, like you went to the bathroom and you missed like 33% of the action in the movie. You know, like there, it, it, it could, like it could have been like him taking out the first group of mafia guys in a longer action sequence, and maybe their hands are a little tied in how they can do that. Like you said, I think that Den- I think that it comes down to that. Yeah, Den- Denzel's older. Like you can only do so much, and we would just make fun of them if they tried to like pull pull, pull something else where they like used a really obviously bad stunt double or did some like you know Irishman de aging shit like they did with Robert De Niro there and he looks and he and he looks seventies trying to stomp someone out or something like that mm-hmm. like here it's like they go they they, they try I I saw Fuqua trying to get creative with what he had to work with and I I could understand his limitations like the final the final action sequence it's just like you just see guys getting pulled out of the pull, pulled it pulled, pulled not back even into an the action dark. scene it's yeah. like pulled it's pulled back into the darkness he picks them off one by one and he tries to make it as suspenseful as he can and I got what he was going for and it's like maybe anything else it just like looks even more inauthentic because you're trying to make us like watch this 70 year old like jumping all around being really spry it also is ruined a bit by the conceit of the character you know like his whole thing is that he plans everything out that that Mm -hmm. uh you know you can't get one over on him that he's this elite you know and truthfully uh, it's a problem where like every single beat of action has to have him like sort of like he can't suffer do you think like, it's too, you know, yeah he can't yeah there's, there's like he's so old if you were to actually like take a serious blow after already getting shot like it, you there'd be like no way for him to come back within the movie well 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 well. i guess the other thing i was going to ask you though i was thinking about as we were say, making this point was like do you is the, does, is the nature of this character such that you think he has to work alone because i'm wondering like is there a version of this movie where he, he comes somehow comes into contact with another sidekick or that dakota fanning character is a little different and is like a more capable like uh, or more capable action uh, hero in or something where he works with someone else and maybe he's <laughs> able he's able to like like you know pop in and out as needed in a different kind of way I mean whether it be snipe someone or just like jump out from a kind of behind a corner and stab someone in like an effective but efficient way and then the other person is kicking even more ass like is there some version of a movie that looks like that that has a simpler plot that like is a, is a more believable way to deliver more action I'm just kind of spitballing but it's like I would like a simpler version of this movie that has like more than like like 120 seconds of action you know well i you know i i actually as the action guy i truthfully i don't even really mind the lack of action because i think it does other things so so sure, well sure sure um like i don't even like you know it's more less of an action movie more of a violence movie like a dark violent thriller and i think that can work mm. um the problem here is mostly that you know you're taking the action so such as it is away from the things that you've built up things that we've grown an emotional attachment to as you know the audience i think that the problem is also that like like i appreciate like as you like you said like yeah they're going for a more suspenseful thing but there's also no tension because he's so clearly outclassing all these people like even john wick you know john wick has survived a lot of things that he shouldn't have but at least you know that he's going up against the best of the best Mm -hmm. this guy is going after like a couple fucking mafia goons that just do not seem very intimidating or competent are are competent like he always is like a step ahead of them so there's no actual tension very quickly you realize that this movie is not going to kill anybody in the town well you know what i think does create some tension though so like the scene in the restaurant you know it's not the most action-packed but like when he like just however believable it is like when he like puts a pressure point on a guy's arm and is like i can break you right now which is my this my finger on this one part of your forearm i'll make you take a shit i'll make you shit yourself (laughs) i don't want that they don't want that well 
in one, it's it's. I mean, that that's a different kind of suspense where it's like in its own version of something that's approximate is coming close to something that could be considered an action scene that is a little suspenseful and a little different. And so I'm appreciating that as it's happening, but it's also like the prospect of like him even like showing the capacity to to inflict that kind of violence on anyone in front of all these people. I think there's something interesting about that where he's like kind of come and become become this kind of like shed this other past life and then is becoming this one guy in this town that he particularly likes and this is the other people in the town might be able to kind of infer that he has something in his past they don't exactly know what but they're welcoming to him but then what if they see something in him that's kind of ugly if he allows them to do it because he just has this itch to like you know get retribution in any kind of form in most aspects of his life there's something interesting about that. If they see if they see him in a different kind of light from what he has enjoyed them seeing him as, I think that's actually kind of interesting. And the restaurant scene is like one example of that. But him just like like picking off these like mafia goons in a house in darkness is doesn't really provide that kind of you know suspense. Uh, well, you know, it's funny that you say that. Uh, you said that, and I'm like, oh wow, it sounds like you just wrote a better version of this movie um, that understands the appeal of this movie and this character. I mean, the reason that scene works, it's not very suspenseful. You know that he's gonna like fuck these dudes up Mm -hmm. but um that he's never gonna be in any danger but you like it because it allows denzel to do his thing in a context which is the restaurant in the middle of this town that he's grown to love that we actually care about when you disconnect him from that setting like the finale ends up being like in this dark mansion that you've never seen before where like nobody's in any danger except for him and you it's clear that he's not in any danger but it sort of robs the entire thing of its own power um funnily enough you said i i said that you were writing a better version of this movie so i was like huh i wonder what has this guy who wrote this uh, movie wow. written i looked at that uh, earlier while we've been talking it's an interesting filmography yeah, interesting's one word to say. Uh, he wrote The Protege, a piece of shit from uh, two years ago. Uh, he wrote Renegades, uh, a movie that you know I haven't seen, but uh, it, it does not have a very sterling reputation. It was delayed for like years before it saw like a DTV release. The Magnificent Seven movie, the Jack Reacher uh, sequel, which is not as good as the first Jack Reacher, and um, the Expendables two, which we were just talking about. Uh, that's one of the worst written that franchise. I mean, not not to go on a tangent, but that franchise might be the single worst written studio franchise i've ever seen so yeah uh not a sterling reputation it's like they don't seem to understand the appeal of the if they seem to at first but they lose the plot uh or maybe overcomplicate the, the, plot, so be, the guy is going to be the writer on craven the hunter just oh man that I mean, look, I kind of am looking forward to White Panther, but I mean, that's not that's not that's not incredibly auspicious. I forgot J.C. Shandor was doing that. That I kind of wish I kind of I kind of wish he was writing it though, not directing it. Yeah, bro needs some money clearly because it's this and the last thing was like that Netflix movie that was a piece of yeah, it was a piece of crap too. But uh, yeah, so let's talk about um, Dakota Fanning. Yeah, so yeah, she seemed to that that seemed that performance seemed to rub you some kind of way. Yeah, she sucks. Did you watch Man on Fire? Uh, I think I've very long time ago. Yeah, I I never did. I saw the original. It's like based on a 19, I think, 81 movie um, that I actually thought was kind of good. Um, I didn't realize it was Dakota Fanning until like I checked. Like, I think pretty much like the only thing I've seen her in in the last 10 years was the one scene she has in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So like I so like I I forgot she's in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I tried my best not to think of that movie. Yeah, she's she's like the person that's at the rant in in the house at the ranch with like 
looking after Bruce Dern or whatever um, mm. when Brad Pitt walks in there. Uh, but like, I, I, it's just, it had been so long since I'd actually seen her act in anything. And so it was like, I, I was like, that person looks kind of familiar. Who is that? And it just bothered me for like the first like hour of the movie and I couldn't take it anymore. So I looked at my phone and I was like, oh, and, <laughs> and, and yeah. So it, it, I, I wasn't even exaggerating when I said that. I can like look at her last like 10 years of movies. Like I'm, literally the only thing was that one. And apparently she's in Ocean's 8. I have no recollection of that. So yeah, it's, 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 it's literally one thing in the last 10 years until you get to Kelly Reichardt's Night Moves. Great movie, actually. So uh, just very, very, very little that she's been doing. So, you know, her old friend Denzel's like, hey, come be in this movie. We'll see if these people buy you as a CIA agent. <laughs> I guess the idea is, you know, she's like the in like the, I don't know, financial analyst division or whatever. But like they got to go out in the field every now and then if they get a whiff of something. And then yeah. you got to she has to, she, she's the upstart getting her chance in the field. But seems like you didn't quite buy her even as the fish out of water. Oh, no, she's she's really mis- horribly. I mean, we've had this conversation about like, what does it mean to be miscast? And for me, it's like it's clear that this you in this role is not working. Um, and yeah, she is not working here. I think that I could buy her as like a lab person, like a technician or, you know, like an analyst who's kind of being thrown into the field and is uncomfortable with it. Mm. But here she's trying to play like, like she's a badass. Like she's like, you know, this dark CIA. And like, that confident and it, in her scenes with him when it's like, shouldn't you just kind of be like freaked out by this guy that's just seemingly actually incredibly pretty dangerous, but just like knows and knows everything. But is just randomly in this Italian village? Like you should be a little more weirded out by that. And even if you're not weirded out necessarily, like, I don't know, there's a way to play it where like she's, you know, uh, coolly confident, like in a, a more understated way, like she's unable to be rattled. And like the movie emphasizes that she's unable to be rattled. But I mean, I think it's one of those things like weird to say, but I think they wrote this movie as if that role was going to be played by like, I don't know, Chris Evans or like, you know, some kind of like big muscly bound guy or something who could play like a dark. But like here, she's she's trying to do that. She's trying to put off the aura of, of being like a badass. And like it just it just doesn't work. There's like that. See, she's like, you know talking shop with her boss like in front of the villa and she's talking about like oh yeah you know i ran the numbers bloody bloody blah and it's like like it's just with the with the sunglasses and her hands in her pockets and such and it just feels like a like a girl playing dress up i I don't i i'm sorry to say it like that but like uh, it, it just doesn't feel right she can't do it she's trying to oh you know what she's trying to be she's trying to be jessica chastain in zero dark 30 and uh jessica Ch- she is no jessica chastain and i'll say that yeah and and, and jessica chastain and Duck 30 also had about seven or eight years on however old dakota fanning is now so it's just you know it's, i'm not even saying that because she's just a child star but she's just pretty young to like buy as someone that's like you know has that kind of command of like you know global espionage stuff yeah it's literally like them. in the movie they say that it's like her first field op right so it's like they, they you know you don't necessarily i mean i guess maybe you're not supposed to buy her as someone that like you know because they're saying that they should have license to allow her to not necessarily like try and posture like a badass the whole time. You know, maybe I don't, I don't think she's not a capable actress, but yeah, maybe that character could have been calibrated a little differently for sure. And and beyond that, like she's also again, like mostly kind of dealing with all this stuff that's happening outside the town. She's in Naples. She gets a bomb, you know, a bomb tries to take her out She's so disconnected from the stuff that we care about that it's it's hard to even care about her character at all. Yeah, especially especially when there's also like we already talked about a lot of other stuff we don't care about also going on at the same time. Yeah, uh, you know it, it's it's just a lot. Um, 
Yeah, like we said, like we, like you said about twenty minutes ago, we already talked about the whole movie. I was like wondering, wait, wait, do I need to talk about something that happened at the end? Like, and there is the thing they try and backdoor the thing with her at the end. When spoiler alert for the end, because I mean, I don't think anyone. It's not a spoiler that we, you know, the guy. I mean, Robert survived. I guess that is kind of a spoiler, but whatever. Whatever. Uh, you know, if you don't want, is if it you don't, though? Is it though? I mean, yeah, because I mean, I think they've said it might be the last one, but like, are we going to be shocked that there's another one of these in three years? You know. Um, I won't be, but I, me like you, did, I did not go back and watch the first two. So I have like no relationship with like the other characters in the first two of these movies. I couldn't tell you a single actor that's in the first two aside from, I believe my girl, Chloe, Chloe Grace Moretz is in the first one. Uh, I don't remember yeah, yeah, what yeah. I think that's the first she, she, she's like, she, she, she's uh, in the diner that he goes to like read a book or something like that. Well, no, isn't she like a prostitute he tries to save or something like that? Well, yeah, but like they meet because like he she sees him reading or something or he uh, sees her reading. I, if I remember correctly, like, oh, this woman knows how to read. She's worth saving, even though she's a lady of the night. <laughs> I think genuinely, I think that might be the angle and we need to get to the politics of the movie in a bit. But <laughs> OK, hey, fair, fair, fair. But like I, my point being, like, I, I just didn't realize like. I, I needed to like appreciate and you don't actually have to like you can appreciate the things there are to appreciate this movie without having any context for who this guy was in the first two movies. I would, I would say. enough. I, I will say that um I, when I was walking out of the theater, um there was a there's a, a young woman there and uh, I started talking to her like, oh, did you like the movie? And she was like, oh, yeah, I liked it. I haven't seen the other two. <laughs> so so did you, tell her, did, you tell her, did you tell her no need, young lady, please? save yourself no uh and like so but like yeah this movie is so disconnected at one point he says toward the end like you know you he reveals that the reason he was in sicily in the first place was to you know do his equalizer thing and get somebody back his money i completely forgot that's the angle of the character that he's supposed to like right wrongs yeah that's what he does i mean i remember that much he just like rides around in uber and basically does that for the first part of equalizer too right so yeah yeah he says he says like oh I, i gave this guy a lift and i heard about his pension thing pretty much and i'm like oh yeah that was his whole shtick <laughs> this movie is so disconnected and i think that is the shtick of the uh the tv series have you seen that no yeah i forget that this even was a tv series yeah. uh, but i say all that to say like we're supposed to i guess kind of care at the end that like it turns out dakota fanning is the daughter of the, some woman that was his handler in a in one of the prior movies and i'm just like i sure you know, it, it, <laughs> yeah. It, why not? It's like, it's she's. Like, in, I, she's. I think she's. That's the woman who, like, her death in the second one is what makes him go after the villain of that one. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, but like my point being, it's just like it, it's it's weird that like they they should just like be like people came here to see Denzel shoot people up. They don't come here for like the equalizer cannon. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I it and it just seemed like that, that was supposed to like hit me in a way. It just it just didn't really. Oh, Pedro Pascal's in the last one. I did not remember. So was Melissa Leo. Oh, they oh God, they really, really stacked cast in such a fucking um, forgettable woman, movie. Uh, yeah, yep, no idea. You said you want to talk about the politics of it. What, what did you find particularly offensive? Well, it's not that I find it offensive. Oh. It, it, it's just got a weird kind of. I've tried to try to figure out what exactly the perspective of this is. On the one hand, like yeah, I mean, it, 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 is I mean like, it seems totally fine with the U.S. just like you know doing whatever the fuck it wants abroad. Yeah, like it's very pro, like, you know, the the intelligence, uh, the intelligence community is a good thing. Uh, they should get carte blanche to do what they want. They <laughs> are the good guys, unqualifiably the good guys. The guy at one point says, like, you know, McCall is like, you know, oh, if you want to know who I am to, to Dakota Fanning, like, oh, you could take me to one of your black sites. But like, 
it's not a bad thing that they have a black site in the uh, in the universe of this movie. And also, uh, it's also it's like they treat it as like a given. Like we already have enough problems in America with like over policing of like the drug trade and stuff like that. And this movie just expects us to take it as a given that like we need to expend tons and tons of taxpayer dollars to like go into like coastal Italy towns to like recover pills. Like is that really like that also? are funding the jihadists. So, you know, there's that too. Because apparently because I think they realized like somewhere along the line, like that's not enough. <laughs> like drug trade, that's not really like enough to be morally outraged. No, they need to be also jihadists um in the mix somehow. And the movie, of course, like, you know, he's like a vigilante. But he's also a vigilante who's like out to protect people's pensions, which, you know, like you could argue that the it's a very limited scope where like people's pensions are being ruined by like cyber criminals from around the world and not like, I don't know, our governments, but, you know, whatever. Um, funnily enough, I was watching this movie thinking like, hmm, I wonder what I wonder what Armand's read of this is. Hmm. Um, I looked up Armand's read on this and it's uh, it's the kind of word Sally that you'd expect from him. Um Third time around, Equalizer 3 tells us that this menacing series isn't about equality. It fits into Hollywood's Bidenomics and maybe ought to be retitled The Equityizer. Don't know what that's supposed to mean. He seems to argue that the movie is like in support of the Biden state of affairs. I think I think it's honestly he takes umbrage with the fact that it stars a black man and uh, versus the TV series, which was white. Um, they, they, he keeps on talking about it being racialized. Uh, he keeps comparing this to black exploitation of the seventies. There's literally one, uh, one black person in this movie. It genuinely, yeah, it, it's a read that <laughs> doesn't really make any sense. Uh, well, you don't say some might deliberately avoid seeing the political dread of e equalizer three using the pinhead excuse that director Antoine Fuqua is not a consciously political filmmaker. And like, he calls it a pinhead excuse, but then he says, I don't even know what to make of this. His filmography confirms it. A potpourri of ephemera from Training Day to King Arthur, from Will Smith's Blackballed. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. The fact that you were not, you've now spent almost two minutes trying to like convey armor and white thoughts, I think that means we're almost at the end. Uh, is there anything else about this movie that we haven't already touched on that you would like to talk about, Dan Daniel? Uh, was he trying to like flirt with that waitress? Was that like a. I thought, she was, trying to flirt, I like thought a, she was trying to flirt with him. And yeah, I, I mean, was that, was like, that a love interest? I mean, I, I kept thinking that and I was just like, Denzel, I, I, I'm going into this movie knowing I'm seeing an action movie and that Denzel in, in real life is like hit 70 years old. And this like waitress can't be like any older than her mid 40s. Uh, and I'm just like, I, I don't need to see this. I, I don't want it to go there. He's yeah, too old. Yeah, I know. Please, it, please it not. Feels, it, felt, it felt wrong mm -hmm. uh, somehow. Beyond that, like I just I wish that they, the movie had just spent more time developing those characters, mm -hmm. spent more time in the village. Right. Um, you like know, that, that like, restaurant owner that would have hit even harder when his shit got destroyed. If you had spent a little more time with him beyond the like the, the one scene where he goes to buy some fish for the doctor. Yeah. But no, instead, we had to spend time getting to know fucking Dakota Fanning. And, uh, you know, and by the way, she is 38 years old. Wait, Dakota the, the barista, the, the barista, oh, oh, the, barista. Oh, oh, the barista. Okay, yeah. So uh, Denzel's got a, you know, 32 on her. She, he is a whole me older than her, which is- just, I just yeah. cannot imagine a young woman just seeing him, <laughs> this 70-year-old man with a cane limping around and going like, mm, oh yeah. <laughs> um, there's all sorts of, oh, there, there is like all sorts of like little touches that he does. Like I said, like, you know, when he's about to go up the stairs and he kind of knocks his cane on the ground multiple times in order to like steal himself to like 
climb those stairs. Uh, when he goes to sit outside the cafe for the first time and you can see him trying to figure out the best seat and he ends up picking the seat where his back is against the wall, you know, some like, you know, old school fucking spy shit, you know, Mm -hmm. I like that sort of stuff. I like those sort of touches that he brings to the character, little things like how he, how he talks, like the way he'll stumble over like a word, you know, like, I don't know, like there's, there's so much humanity that like, somebody like Denzel can bring to even this sort of scant character like uh, McCall who, you know, they're, they're trying to play him off. Like he's like a big hero, you know, McCall uh, like an, like an iconic action hero. I've never felt any affinity for this character. It's mm. Denzel all the way. And he does such a good job. I don't mind the lack of action. I want to apologize to Denzel. He's actually only 68. I don't know why I thought he was 70. So I mean, I, two years this away. Come on. It. Uh, one, one thing I want to add, uh, I forgot to mention this movie shot by Robert Richardson, which is kind of wild. They're getting like a cinematography for of like of that caliber to like shoot these movies. Uh, I actually and, don't like, know him by name. What What's his uh, what's he what's his deal? Uh, so he's 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 kind of like Quentin Tarantino's go to guy now. And but also like worked with Oliver Stone a lot. Like he shot like JFK, Born on the Fourth of July, Wall Street, Platoon. So, I mean, air. Oh, he did. I did. I forgot he did air. Um, yeah. So like, he, yeah. He's, he also did. He also did Emancipation last year, which wait. was the like really desaturated look. Which I'll, I'll say this: Did you actually I, end up watching Emancipation? Fuck no. Oh, okay. Oh no. I heard Antoine Fuqua was doing a slave drama, and I was like, "Fuck that! I am not tuning in for that." Um, no. So yeah, he's done like a lot of stuff. He's like worked with Scorsese on like you know Shut- Shutter Island and Aviator. I for- I've I've forgotten he did Scorsese stuff too. So he's done like a he, he works Hugo. with a lot of guys. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny that Hugo, a guy. Yeah, it's a, it's a deep resume. The thing is with this movie, I'm so like divided on the look because like I said, that first the first scene is great, and then he shoots so the village, good. and he does a good job of shooting that village. No. <laughs> I really don't like the desaturated look. Like I would like oh, okay. when he, when Denzel first steps outside, I'm like, it should feel vibrant, you know, especially after the darkness that began the film. I feel like it should be like a bit more vibrant. Like the guy's tending to his garden and I'm like, this should feel like, Oh, this is gorgeous. And like, yeah, the setting is nice, but like, it's so washed out that like, it feels every bit as dreary as I mean, I like the, the the rhythm of the place, but like it feels so it looks so dreary, you know, and I feel like a little more uh, uh, taking a little more of a stylized approach to the visuals would have probably sold it as this sort of paradise more than uh, the approach taken. I, I think that about wraps it up. I mean, I, I, again, I, there really is not much meat no, on this. No, no, no. I thought we did. I thought we did. We, we talked about it for, we talked about it for almost forty minutes anyway. Even if there wasn't a ton there, but as you and I talked about before we started recording, kind of a dead time in the movie calendar. People are going to be hearing this within like three days of recording. And aside from Haunting in Venice, there's not going to be much else out in the theaters at the, at the time they're hearing this. So, I mean, there's some there's there's some stuff to enjoy in it. Even if like you and I were maybe not as happy with parts of this movie, I think there's still like plenty to be there's still enough to be charmed by that. Like, I'd be happy for people to go support the movie, even if like, you know, I, I could have envisioned a better version of it in my head. So uh, all that all that being said, Daniel, uh, is there anything else you would like to recommend to the listeners before you go? Yeah, I mean, I haven't actually been watching too, too much. I've been trying to keep up with like reviews, um, you know, for, oh, for yeah, disappointment shit. media. Yeah. So um, I haven't been watching too, too much. Um, if I had to recommend anything, 
Mm. Well, is there anything that you've been, even something that you've reviewed for them that people are going to be able to see soon or something like that? Well, yeah, I have a review out for uh, a haunting in Venice, which should be coming out. Um, I think we, this weekend, right? We have an episode on that next week with, or the week after with Fred, because Fred's kind of our uh, Kenneth Branagh guy. Yeah, you know, I might, I might want to jump on that if I'm, if I'm free, because like, yeah, I, I, it's a movie that I find very interesting in the sense that like the guy is really switching up his visual style. Um, and you know, Brana not really known as a visual stylist. So like, eh, I like that, but ooh, it, 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 there's no motivation behind the choices that he's making. And I think it's by far like the weakest, like cast and story and mystery, uh, of all these movies. So, you know, not great. Uh, the one thing that I would recommend is, uh, Red Wolf. That's the one I'll recommend, um, which is the Yen Wu Ping movie, 1990 something, 1995, I think. It is uh, pretty much die hard on a cruise ship, um, but with Yen Wu Ping style of action. So you've got these furious martial arts. You've got these huge gunfights. You have these cool things like the like the villain just doing a drum solo to prepare for the final battle. You know, just insanity once it gets the ball rolling uh some of the most heinous villains that i've seen in hong kong cinema highly recommend you could find that one actually on youtube with a english dub which you know uh, preferable to not have a dub but a good way to spend like 90 minutes there you go i i literally don't think i have anything i can like in good conscience recommend because i already recommended (laughs) bottoms on like last week's episode which we will have i've already said we'll have a podcast out on soon and aside from that, I haven't seen like a new movie in theaters beyond besides that and Equalizer 3 in some time. I've been, as I keep saying, I've been watching some stuff uh, for the in, in advance of the Palm Beach Jewish Film Festival that I have no idea when people will be able to see. So can't recommend that stuff. And that's where most of my free time is gone, except to like TV. Not even love some of the TV I'm watching right now. I'm watching I'm like watching Winning Time on HBO. It's not as good as the first season. Uh, I'm watching uh, Only Murders in the Building, which is it's fine. But I've never I, I, I keep up season by that three. joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I keep up with that show because like it's popular, but like I don't. It's not like one of my favorites. I can't be like fuck yeah, the season rules. People go watch that. Uh, there's funny moments here and there, and that's really about it right now. So um, you know, I hopefully hopefully things start picking up, and I'll have more to recommend. And I mean, honestly, like this writer strike is happening at a good time for me because I'm trying to fit in all these uh, other film festival movies while I can. Uh, so I'm more I'm falling behind on less things now. But sorry, people just don't have anything to recommend. So uh, we'll we'll have we'll have stuff on the podcast because like I said, we'll have something on bottoms and something on a, something on a haunting haunting in Venice coming sooner rather than later uh and then i don't really know what's after that yet it's still kind of a dead time in the movie calendar and shit's getting moved all the time so i promise we'll have something i just don't really know what is coming after those two but uh i want to thank everyone for listening to this one today and uh if you want to follow daniel again he's starting to put reviews on disappointment media so uh, yeah and I, I, i'll be doing coverage of uh fantastic fest actually i'm doing remote coverage so you'll be seeing a glut of reviews on like action horror you know that sort of stuff i'm gonna finally get to see baby assassins too which i'm super super psyched about wait was it the first one of those where you were trying to get me to see or something oh yeah that's one that's i think i I, out of all the action stuff that i've recommended to you that's the one i think you would enjoy the most Uh, and i think now that one the first movie is on prime i believe so. All right, there you go. Uh, as usual, you can find Daniel also on uh, Letterbox at Felonious Funk. I'm Josh Renovoy, J O S H J U R N O V O Y, on both Twitter and Letterbox. Uh, podcast Twitter is at Rewind Movie Pod. Podcast uh, email is rewindmoviepod at gmail.com. I already said what's coming up next. I want to thank all of your listeners today. I want to thank Daniel for joining, and we'll see you next time on the Amalfi Coast. <laughs>